Approaching its 15th year on the air, KRFC is a community-centered radio station and streaming network focused on telling the stories of Northern Colorado. Our programming and operations are built by more than 200 volunteers who feature a wide variety of voices, opinions, and musical tastes. We produce over 65 shows locally with music, news, and community affairs programming with a hyper-local focus. We're streaming worldwide on www.krfc.fm and other platforms including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Echo, and others. To learn about how you can support KRFC through underwriting, visit www.krfc.fm. I can't imagine what my life would have been like if music hadn't been a part of it. Mind, body, and soul. Music moves us. It can ignite an inner fire, make our spirits soar, or bring us to tears in a single ballad. Did you know that research has proven that music can also change our brains and that it can affect us not only psychologically but neurologically as well? Giving our children and ourselves the gift of music is a much larger present than you may have ever imagined. My guests are violinist virtuoso Jephthah Bernstein, an internationally known composer, educator, and performer, Bruce Adolph. Jeff DeBernstein is a violinist who performs regularly with the Fort Collins Symphony, Greeley Philharmonic, and Larimer Chorale Orchestra. Throughout a diverse musical career, Jeffta has held positions in the Palm Beach Opera as principal violin, American Symphony Orchestra, Seacliff Chamber Players, Portland Opera, the resident Metropolitan Museum Orchestra, as well as a member of the Palm Beach Chamber Players as well as numerous Broadway productions. I'm so thrilled to have Jephthah Bernstein here in the studio with me. Welcome, Jephthah, to The Spark. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Jephthah, tell me about the gift of music and what it's meant to your life. It's been my world since I can remember. I've played violin since I was five. I've had music in my surroundings since I was a little baby. My parents have always valued having music playing and singing with me, and I can't imagine what my life would have been like if music hadn't been a part of it. Wow, it's almost like the air you've breathed. It's just such an integral part of who you are. It is, and it's been that way for both of my kids. It's even if I've taken a step or two away from it over the years, it's something that always is that theme that mm. keeps coming back and coming back. And even now when that performing world seems like a, almost a lifetime ago, music is such an integral part of what I do every single day that it feels like I really haven't left, even though I'm not performing as much as I used to. Well, it sounds like you've had an amazing career in music. I mean, it's it's been just your lifeblood. It's been very fulfilling. It's been the vehicle that took me through two degrees in college and graduate school. It helped me travel around the world. It helped me meet some of my closest friends and some of had some of the most enriching experiences. It's a life that I'm really glad that I was able to lead and would never look back at and regret. That's for that's for sure. So you grew up here in Fort Collins, Colorado, and you've toured, toured the country as a professional musician. Who or what inspired you to pursue your love of music and take your gifts to the amazing level that you have in your career? Oh, it's pretty, it's actually pretty common. <laughs> well, I think. It's um, it's the basic story. You know, my parents always played classical music in the house when I was a little girl. I was named after the daughter of one of, the, of one of the most famous cellists of the 20th century. And I um, 
I was inspired by Itzhak Perlman. I loved his sound, and I said, I want to play violin just like he does. And that just stuck with me. Was there ever a time, like through junior high, high school, where you were like, I don't want to do this anymore, this isn't what feeds my soul, or was it always that thing that just continued to feed you? I have never not wanted to do it. I've wanted to, I've been less serious about it. It was always easy for me. I think most people who eventually go into music will say that as a child, that it was just something that came naturally. When I was in high school is when I really started to get fully passionate, engaged, consumed, didn't want to do anything but practice. And that's when I knew that it wasn't just going to be something that was easy and fun and it wasn't just a form. hobby. It wasn't it was, just a hobby for you. Right. It was something I knew that I had to pursue and, and to see where it was going to go. That if I didn't, I would feel like I had left something behind, a stone unturned. And I knew that I knew I had to explore how far I could go with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful life passion that it's been such a gift. And now you're sharing this gift with our community. Right. In, in 2012, you developed Off the Hook Arts, but it's a nonprofit foundation whose mission is to provide low-cost music performance education for students while cultivating a love of the performing arts through a stellar array of public concerts and special events. Right. So we started as two kind of separate entities, one feeding the other. So we started with a summer music festival called Off the Hook, Chamber Music Festival, and its purpose was to raise money so that we could hold and fund our music education programming, which was called PYCH, P-Y-C-H, Project Youth and Chamber Music. I know how important music was for me as a child. I have two children. I can see what it does to benefit them. I knew that I wanted to be able to communicate that and give that to other children and have them share that experience. I've always taught violin and viola um, and absolutely love the vehicle of chamber music. So I was able to kind of experiment with the idea of where this direction could go. When I lived in Austin, I became part of an already preformed education program and knew when we moved back home here to Fort Collins, that I wanted to continue that experience. So you developed it here and brought Off the Hook Arts to Fort Collins. And so it encompasses, it's, it's what, what it's amazing, um, I guess, well, the first question would be, what, what inspired you? Was it this other program in Austin that kind of inspired you to bring it here to Fort Collins? I, I loved being in Austin. I loved ro- running this program called CHAMPS, Chamber Music in Public Schools. I had no idea that I would be have any interest or be good at the administrative side of fundraising and marketing and creating a program that was more geared toward low-income students than just the cream of the crop and um, working with some of the best students in the Austin public schools. When my husband relocated us as a family and had a, got a new job here in Fort Collins, I knew that I didn't want to leave that behind. So we started with Pitch, Project Youth and Chamber Music, within the school system as our initial education program. And we did that for a number of years. This is the first year we really have not been fully in the public schools. And somewhere along the way, about two and a half, three years ago, we started a larger education program called our Chamber Music Academy, which is open and available to any student, whether they're homeschooled in Loveland, Greeley, Fort Collins area, and they can, it's an after-school program. We meet once a week. Children are put into small chamber music groups and also given the experience of being in chamber orchestras, being led by two very experienced local chamber musicians who have had full careers teaching and playing in orchestra themselves. And it's just been 
an incredibly rewarding experience watching our numbers increase and the students stay in the program and continue to grow every semester and where they are now in comparison to where some of these kids were when they first started two or three years ago with us. It's been really rewarding to watch that progress. And then our academy programs have also now grown to include, I think we're doing at least six or seven offerings during our summer festival this year, including a, a five-day music and arts workshop, a camp, a STEAM programming. Uh, we're building balsa wood violins. It's going to be a really rewarding summer. Wow. It does. It sounds amazing. And I think what a gift. You know, the, the Sparks format is really about helping people ignite their best life. And you are doing this starting with our children. Wow. It's it's just, it's fun to watch kids find a direction that they didn't know that they could have to the ex- to the extent and to really push themselves to their limits and to help kids to help families parents that want to give their children this additional exposure to serious music study which we all know through so much research recently that Music lessons, exploring music by playing an instrument really helps so many aspects of brain development and further listening skills as adults, retaining your hearing um, ability as you grow older. There's so many aspects of thinking and interpersonal skills and communication that are developed by playing music the value that I see for kids is really worth all the effort that we're putting into developing this program. And the next project that we would really love to continue with and we're in the process of raising funds for is a free lesson program for low-income students and a lending library of instruments for those students who wouldn't be able to afford otherwise to have access to instruments or lessons. And we're looking for those instruments to be donated if people have them just sitting around and they're not being used anymore. We welcome those type of that type of support to the program and we're really hoping that we're able to start it at least by January of 2019. I was looking at this year's four-week summer festival, and it was yes. absolutely amazing. Tell me Thank a little you. bit about this year's festival and what it involves. We have a theme of climate change, how we are interacting with our environment. Um, we are honoring the memory of a former NASA astronaut who passed away a year ago. His name was Pierce Sellers. And the cornerstone of the festival is based on an art installation that is being brought to us by an artist on the East Coast called Kate Doyle. And she, it will, the art installation is called Ouroboros. It will originate here at CSU in the Kerfman Gallery. The grand opening is June 25th, the second day of our festival, and it will be in the gallery for through September. And from there, it will tour to other cities around the United States and eventually continue on to the Banal Venice in 2019. When we started to build the festival around this art installation, this idea of bringing art and music to highlight the issue of climate change and how we're impacting our environment, I thought we need to find collaborators in the community to engage in this project with us. So I approached CSU's Atmospheric Sciences Department and um, realized very quickly that one of their senior scientists, David Randall, was part of the 20-member team that worked with Pierce Sellers at Goddard Space Center. And he was overjoyed that we were bringing this art installation here for our festival and we were focusing on this topic. So we are reconvening that 20-member team with these scientists from all around the country to come here for a, 
a few days of private events, but they will be involved also as public speakers in some of our offerings in the first week of the festival. And then from there, we engage the city of Fort Collins's climate change initiative and their climate wise program. So they will also be part of our speaker panels that will be involved this summer. Our main goal with Summerfest is to always bring the arts and sciences together. So this theme is very timely and it's very, we're hoping to have a large impact to highlight how people can take away a positive message of the change and the ongoing projects that exist and the way people are working toward remedying some of the effects that we have had on our planet. So we offer four different series of events. We'll have our viewpoint series, dynamics, our academy programming, and our peer concert music events. So the the dynamics events will combine a science talk and a music concert, so have that close tie between our two loves. And then our viewpoint series are just conversations from different viewpoints on climate change, whether it's from the the topic of art, environmental art, or environmental music, or political science, or atmospheric sciences, we hope to make the conversation vital and really important to the general public. Well, and talk a little bit about the Academy piece, because you bring in all kinds of different composers and musicians from all over the nation. We have had a five-day summer camp for a few summers now. Started as a one-day camp, then a three-day, now it's five-day. This will be the first year that we start to bring in some of our festival artists into the faculty to work with our students. There are two components to that that music camp. One is for five to 10-year-olds, we call our Music Explorers Division. They focus on voice and theater and visual arts. They don't have to play an instrument yet. It's right before you get to middle school, so chances are maybe they ha- you have a child that hasn't been had a chance to get that kind of formal instruction. And then our other division is called our string players, and it's for eight to eighteen year olds. And we have three di- three different levels in that division. So you have to already have started an instrument to be in that division. Um, so there are beginners who have played already, our intermediates, and then the advanced players this year will be in a, something we're calling our advanced seminar, where they'll be doing chamber music with some some of our festival artists, like Zach Brock is our jazz violinist who's classically trained, but he's going to come in and work with kids on improvisation. Bruce Adolph, our artistic director, is a fabulous composer, wonderfully engaging musician, so kind-hearted, and a great teacher. Um, we'll be asking him to come in and do some specific coachings for, for some of our groups. Um, we have members of the Miami String Quartet that will be with us this summer, and I know they will be very excited to come in and work with kids as well. But our programming also expands past that music camp this year. We have a STEAM camp for five days that's being offered by the Little Shop of Physics at CSU, a very popular science hands-on program. We will actually, they'll be doing a fair for us as well as our opening event on June 24th. It's a Sunday afternoon. They'll be holding that STEAM day of events for us. We have a project that's going to start in the beginning of June, a little outside of our Summerfest beginnings, but still connected. It will be offered through the Puder School District STEM program. It's a STEAM project. Kids will be able to build, actually build, a violin that is playable and has a really unbelievably beautiful sound. I've played one of the final products. They are just remarkable. And students, kids will be able to take their violin home with them and continue to play it. And we hope to feature it at the outdoor concert of our music and arts workshop uh, we have a an outdoor concert that highlights the students and the work that they've done during that five-day camp. So we'll invite those kids to come and play those instruments at that performance in Old Town Square. 
We have Tunes and Tales Live, which is a storybook reading time for 18-month-old kids through 8-year-olds. And then and there'll be live readings by Colorado storybook authors. And then their illustrators of those books will be holding illustration classes for 8- to 18-year-olds. Those are the main academy programming. We have a weather fest for families and and kids on July first. That's I think the scope of what we're oh my up goodness. to this summer. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, what an amazing gift for the community and for our children here. Well, it's really it's fun when you start going. It it's it's just great to see how much you can offer and and make of interest to children in the community. It's our goal is to make an impact in the cultural conversation. It sounds like you are going to achieve just that. But, <laughs> but absolutely, my goodness, what an enriching, amazing program that you're offering. And so if someone yeah. wanted to get a hold of you or wanted to find out more about Off the Hook Arts Foundation, how would they find you? Our website is the best way to get all all the details and to contact us, offthehookarts.org is our website. There's an email address and a phone number on the website where you can have direct contact to me and I can answer any questions that you might have. Wonderful. Well, music has obviously ignited your life in so many ways and you are just passing that flame and igniting so many other little lights and just wonderfully generating this passion for other people as well. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jephthah. Thank you for being here on The Spark. It was my pleasure. Hey, it's Chris, one of the producers of The Spark. Did you know that you can go back and listen to all of our past episodes of the show anytime that you want? It's simple. Just go to thesparkpod.com. There you can listen to past episodes, get detailed show notes, links to Stephanie's recommendations as heard on the show, and more. You'll also find links to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and other platforms so you never miss an episode. Again, that's thesparkpod.com. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Sandy Gaines, host of It's Yesterday Once More. KRFC relies on sustaining memberships, sponsors, and underwriters to bring you the sounds and stories of Northern Colorado. Learn more about becoming a member in corporate underwriting at krfc.fm. Next time on The Spark. Sex is core part of humanity. If you think about it, it's how all life begins. It's this deep rooted piece of every living thing. We all came from some form of sex. And because it's so deep, I think it also makes it vulnerable because if we feel wounded or if we feel judged or if we feel hurt around our sexuality, that is hurting a lot of layers of our identity because it's so deep. We talk with sexologist, sexuality advocate, and Colorado State University professor Dr. Emma Myers about how to better understand sexuality and ourselves. Next time on The Spark. But a lot of people love that ninth chord. I'd love to say that. Now, the ninth chord in Haydn does resolve, but he repeats it over and over, and it's really quite strange. By time we get to Ravel, ninth chords, it's actually Debussy first, um, ninth chords are a consonance. Now, a ninth chord is simply this. One, three, five, that's a triad. Seven is a seventh chord. Nine is a ninth chord. So with Debussy liked this kind of ninth chord, and if I've done this before, you just play ninth chords which allows you to talk and smoke. <laughs> but actually, that ninth chord, although Ravel used it, his preferred ninth chord was not, but it was a minor chord on the bottom. 
with the seventh, but that major ninth. That is, that chord, he used it so much and in such a consonant way and, it's, and in so many cadences that Messiaen, Olivier Messiaen, a French composer, called it the Ravel Ninth. Now, that hasn't made it into common parlance, but those of you at home <laughs> can spread the word. This is the, the, <laughs> the Ravel Ninth. Our guest tonight is Bruce Adolph, acclaimed composer, educator, performer, and author whose music is performed worldwide. Bruce is the founder, director, and resident lecturer of the Family Concert Series at the Chamber Music Society at the Lincoln Center in New York City, and the resident composer at the Brain and Creativity Institute in Los Angeles, which was founded and is run by leading neuroscientist Antonio Damasio. He is also the creative director of the Learning Maestros, which provides tools to inspire students, teachers, families, and learners of all ages to explore connections among the arts, sciences, the environment, social conscience, and diverse culture. I am honored to have Bruce Adolph join me for our show tonight. Welcome, Bruce, to The Spark. Hi, it's great to be here, and uh, always fun to be on the radio. You know, I, one, the only thing you didn't mention that people might know is I have been on the air weekly on public radio doing piano puzzlers for 16 years now. So that's, that's podcast and broadcast and every kind of cast. Wonderful, wonderful. And, and the show is called? Well, it's part of Performance Today and it's called Piano Puzzlers. Earlier I spoke with Jeff Bernstein, who is a personal friend and colleague of yours and discussed the upcoming Summerfest for Off the Hooks Arts, of which you are a lecturer and the artistic director. How did, how did you become involved in Off the Hook Arts? Well, about seven years ago, Jephthah contacted me by phone, and we hadn't spoken. In fact, we hadn't seen each other for maybe 25 years. She and I had participated in various music festivals in Colorado and, uh, and also in New Mexico at uh, Angel Fire. And so she was a young intern assistant or, and violinist there, and I was composer in residence, uh, and she decided to start this festival in Fort Collins and called me and asked if I would help start it with her. So I was there right from the very beginning. I, I thought I'd just try it and now we're going great guns actually. And are you here for the four weeks or are you here for a week just during a certain session or how does that work? I'm here most of the time, almost the entire four weeks and uh, I will be there at the beginning, the middle and the end, but there's a little spot in the middle when I won't be around, very short, like five days or something. And actually, during the five days that I'm not there, there's not much going on. In fact, I think I'm only missing one event. So I will be there for the other 3,000 events. <laughs> yes. My goodness, how incredibly encompassing this program is, all the different venues that you all have available. And it sounds like this is something that other people who might not be as skilled in the arts can also plug into. Tell me no, about it, that. Well, the Off the Hook Arts Festival is really not only about music or even visual arts or any one thing. Uh, it's, it's primarily focused on music, but from there it, it opens up into many other things. And so there, in this case, it's about climate change and science in general, and there'll be films and speakers and interactive educational events, visual arts, uh, an art installation. So it's really um, a great way to involve all kinds of people from different perspectives and different uh, artistic interests or just science interests to come together in a festival, which is really what a festival should be. It's not just one thing. Uh, and it's expanded over the years. And this is by far the biggest thing we've tried. Well, in fact, we're also doing a big fundraiser in New York in a few weeks at the National Sawdust uh, in Brooklyn, where we're going to have an acclaimed scientist, Adam, uh, Adam Sobel from Columbia University is coming to speak. and. Uh, my great friend Cal, who's the editorial cartoonist of The Economist, is going to come talk and show cartoons and give a perspective on humor, sarcasm, and serious issues, which he's very good at. And uh, and we have a performance of music as well. So there's really a lot happening. And this is the first time we're doing something like that, a big fundraiser in New York City to help support the festival in Colorado. I, I think that's so wonderful. And I, I love that you all are bringing this to our community. You know, this, this is the kind of thing I would imagine we'd see in New York City, of course, but in our small town here of, of Fort Collins, what, what a wonderful gift to bring that to our community. 
Well, it's primarily and uh, because of Jeff the living there and having this idea and being so focused on it uh, and drawing people in that, that this has worked. So I really think you have to thank Jeff for that. Um, but also it has been working, which is because people in Fort Collins and also Boulder have been very, very involved. Interestingly, Fort Collins won this huge international award for sustainability and for a great city plan to make Fort Collins green. And it's such a big plan, even though it's a small town, that it got international recognition along with Mexico City and a few other places. So that's very impressive. And that is part of how we're able to make this fundraiser happen in New York, because that's an international focus for Fort Collins. I saw this wonderful video on YouTube where you discussed your father as being your greatest influence. And I'm just curious about your personal journey with music and how you began this lifelong love affair with music and the creative arts. The comment about my father, obviously you, you must have been at the Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center, and that's the Lincoln Center in New York, not the Lincoln, Lincoln Center in Fort Collins. Yes. Uh, and uh, I did a little interview where I, I talked about my father, and my father was not a musician, so it's not that. Just to clarify, it's kind of interesting. He died when I was about 12. And I have been doing all sorts of things, uh, lecturing and acting occasionally in ch especially children's concerts at Lincoln Center and mostly music. And frequently people I don't know have come up to me who are much older than me and say, I knew your father and you remind me of him when you do this, when you do that. And I started to realize that the, the way I uh, have tried to do so many things and link them together and this this particular way I speak to people apparently is just the way he was and I don't really have a clear memory of some of it uh, and I may never have even seen some of it but apparently I absorbed enough of who he was to make make that true one funny story about music and my father which when I was about 10 I wrote my first piece of music I was studying piano seriously my piano teacher Eleanor Nelson who is still a friend of mine she invited all her students to play in a musicale like teachers do with their little, with the kids, you know. So I didn't want to play the same thing as everybody else, uh, which was the idea was everyone would play something by Bach and something else uh, that they wanted to play. So I decided for the other thing that I would write myself something. So that was my first piece. And at the concert, uh, which was just kids and their parents in my teacher's home, at the end of the piece, my father stood up during the applause and took a little bow. And then he said, and then I was shocked. And then he told me to stand up and and everyone realized that it was a joke, but they believed that he had written it. And he pointed out <laughs> that it seemed like it could have been written by an adult and he just wanted to see if that were true. And and um, I was very impressed by that because people came up to me and said, I thought your father wrote it. Then I realized, so I that, that did something amazing for me, even though the first moment that he stood up was a little strange. Yeah. <laughs> After that, it was hilarious, actually, and it made me feel very grown up. So that was probably my first compositional experience. But, you know, what got me started was Leonard Bernstein, in a way, uh, because uh, when I was a kid, it was the beginning of the Young People's Concerts. I watched them on television like a couple of million other people. And his way of talking about music and playing the piano and conducting and the whole atmosphere drew me in very much and we didn't have a piano in the house at that time so I campaigned to get one this is when I was six and my parents first bought a toy piano and that was not working for me <laughs> yeah. and we had a parakeet that pecked the keys apart and then eventually we had a full-size piano and a full-size parrot a real you know big bird and <laughs> That, I still have that bird from when I was 10, my family's parrot, he's in the next room. They live a long time and he's still an opera singer. But anyway, <laughs> so that experience of, of wanting to do all the things Leonard Bernstein was doing was very influential. But then feedback from other adults, aside from my parents and my music teachers. Although, before I got this good piano teacher, my first piano teacher, and this I think is a good story for parents to hear, my first piano teacher was a strange guy. He didn't teach very well. He sat on the bench next to me and I, he smelled like a cigar because he was always smoking cigars. And I didn't, as a kid, I didn't know what it was about him I didn't like, but I didn't like him. So we didn't get along and he told my parents that I was unmusical and should not study an instrument. And luckily they didn't believe him because I spent all my time improvising at the piano and playing tunes from the radio and things like that. So they thanked him very much. And then I got a piano teacher that was fabulous and, and 
inspired me a lot and I became serious about music. That's such a wonderful story in that, you know, I, I can think of my own experience. I mean, I took six years of piano as a kiddo, same thing, starting about six years old, right. and and had some teachers that were just really rough and yeah. kind of then discouraged me from doing that. Definitely, I think it's important for young people to hear, though, because we, we can get easily discouraged thinking yeah. Jeff, to, for an example, is someone who just, it was her passion, it was her life. I was one of those people who, like, I had 500 other passions. And right. so it wasn't something that ruled my life, but I, I do wish that I would have stayed with it. Right. You know, I, right. in my adult life, I played the guitar and a couple, a couple other things. But um, what, what would you say to young kids that are just beginning to play and might feel that discouragement or have that teacher that's mm. kind of rough? Well, I do think the parents should be involved in what the relationship is with the teacher. Because, for example, had my parents listened to that first teacher, I would not have had a piano teacher when I was a kid. It would have been a disaster for me. I, I don't think I would have allowed that. Who knows? There's no reason for a teacher to be rough un, un, or too demanding unless the student is so passionate and working so hard and wants to go in a certain direction. Then it's not a matter of being rough, but a matter of being um, somewhat demanding. That's okay. But demanding can also be fun and it should also be a, a positive experience all the time. There's, there's no reason for it to be, and there's an old world style of Eastern European music teachers who are very strict. And um, there aren't too many of those people around right now, but in my generation, when I was a kid, they were all over the place and they were very, very difficult to please. There's no reason for that because it shouldn't be just about pleasing or not pleasing your teacher. It should be about the music. Just like in any other field, there are a lot of, teachers who shouldn't be teaching children. And I think the parents should have their ra radar out for that. You know, And people are very aware now, uh, more and more, how working with a child is not just about the, the subject matter or the, the expertise on a, on a thing or a skill. It has to also do with being someone who's good with kids. That's really important. Absolutely. That nurturing their talent. And I think you, you can, like you're saying, you can hold that, that student accountable yeah. And, and so that's the demanding that you're talking about. But that also helps nurture that gift within them yeah. instead of just yeah. shutting that down by being too harsh. I mean, a good teacher of children usually has an approach. And some teachers start teaching children just randomly because they need money. And that's not what you want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the, for the parents... They can't for it to be over, you know. <laughs> so the parents being involved, it sounds like, is key to help be kind of the advocate for their children and help pace yes, that way. Another aspect of it is, though, uh, if a child wants to quit, which even if somebody is really talented, they tend to want to quit occasionally because they have other demands. It's a lot of work uh, to play an instrument well. But a parent could say, make a contract with the kid, not during a tantrum, but during <laughs> during a calm time, saying that uh, when you're 18 or when you're 21, uh, it's up to you. But until then, um, this is really good for you and you'll see if you'll regret it. So just stick with it, it's, it's an important thing. Now, on one more area here, you know, I'm involved with the um, Brain and Creativity Institute in LA and they have just completed a five-year study of what happens to kids starting at around age five or six until 10 or 11 who study music uh, weekly uh, versus kids who do sports and versus kids who do nothing in particular. Other, I mean, they have fun, they have lived their lives, but they're not doing a discipline. I haven't seen all the latest results, but I saw the four-year results. And the brain of a child who works seriously on music, and by serious, that means steadily and practices and has help 
and it's ongoing and they want to improve on a regular basis, their brains grow differently and they have more areas lighting up in MRI scans, which these kids were also doing, which is an extremely unusual study because it wasn't just taking some cognitive test, which could be faulty. It was actually MRIs on a regular basis and showing that with the same kinds of questions and the same kinds of probes, these brains connect doing just fantastic. So and the kids doing sports did not have the same level of interaction because music combines not just physical activity, but really serious um, cognitive stuff. Small muscle, large muscle, memory is involved, imagination is involved, the ear is involved. So it's an aspect of language is involved. It's got everything happening. So it's, it's very good for you. You know, all music is engages the memory in either in a very simple way by lots of repetition or uh, in a narrative structure, which is more like in classical music, there's something to follow without words, which can make it more uh, daunting, but also for people who follow it, it's incredibly uh, exciting and enlivening to have a story that doesn't have any text. And so I take that concept of a story and have it fall apart in a way um, by having it continually reconstruct itself so that the, mem the repetitions are wrong, actually. They're, they sound similar, but they're not the same. And that sort of represents the problem in Alzheimer's. And it's, it's a pretty serious piece, obviously, but it also is meant to be beautiful because sad things, when they become art, are beautiful. We just had Rick Hansen, who's a neuroscientist, a neuropsychologist, on our show. And just, you know, he, he was really involved in that movement of melding spirituality and psychology, kind of the whole Buddhist psychology, if you will, that merged. And so it's exciting for me, too, because I never even would have conceptualized bringing together the arts and science and psychology, all of this together. What an amazing project. You know, there are only a few places that I know of that do something like this, you know, and in different ways. You know, the Aspen Institute occasionally does something like this. And there used to be at Yale, and I'm not sure if it's still there, a, a, a festival of arts and ideas, which is kind of what this is. Uh, and this didn't start off this way, this way. You know, seven years ago, it was just music. I couldn't help it because that's what I like to do. So gradually, more and more and more, it became this multidisciplinary thing. You have gifted the world so much through your amazing talent and your wonderful heart. What has been the biggest gift back to you through your work? Well, that's a, a very deep question, which is uh, I'm taken a little bit by surprise, but I can answer some of it. One of the things is uh, I've been I'm old enough now uh, that I see quite a few generations of people that uh, I have either taught or who've been to my concerts over the years. Probably the most fun and therefore the most rewarding thing tends to be what happens at family concerts. Over the years, I've now given these concerts for people whose kids then come and then their kids sometimes, believe it or not, bring their kids, you know, because right. they are for very young kids, you know, so these concerts are for six to 12. And when I started doing it, it was more than 25 years ago that I started doing things like that. And so, it, you know, if somebody's 10 and then, then 20 years later, they're 20 something and 25 and then they bring a, their kids who were a little, probably a little too young. But there's this ongoing connection to communities of people who got turned on to music through those family concerts. And that's, that's a really big thing. I wrote a book which has had much more effect than I ever expected. I'll give one story as a good example. I wrote a book called The Mind's Ear, which is about bringing theater games and improvisation into music uh, learning and music experience. And I wrote the original version of the book in 1990, but then I rewrote it in 2013. And that, that version is much better and is being used more. When I rewrote it in 2013, uh, it was for Oxford University Press. And they asked me to find some people to improvise uh, for a video that they wanted to put online to go with the book. So I wasn't sure who to ask. And I, I did some research, who is out there who really is a great improviser, plays classical music and maybe other styles. So I came across Mike Block, who's quite well known, and he plays in our festival now, uh, and he's playing this summer. And Mike was playing, you know, classical music, Indian music, but from India, that is, you know, and Carnatic music, and he played things, uh, kind of African things and stuff from the Middle East, and a great improviser. So I called him up, and I just 
started to introduce myself and say I would like him to participate and I'm very impressed with what he does. And he goes, well, of course, I, I, I'll definitely do it. I got started with your book, The Mind's Ear, that's turned me on to improvisation. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And that made me feel, that, that was an example of my feeling uh, tremendously rewarded because this guy was somebody that I was seeking out to give an example and there he was turned on by this book. He's much younger than I am, obviously. So it was a, uh, that's an example of something I stumbled upon that makes me feel really good. You're seeing then how your legacy continues or how the yeah. gifts that you've given, you know, they're, they're expanding other people's lives and, and really igniting other people's lives in this wonderful way where they can truly then flourish and even yeah, move and back and impact you. Yes. And Mike, for example, has started something that I used to think about doing and it didn't do. He has an improvisation camp and during the summer for musicians. And that's something I thought about. And I said, oh, I just can't deal with this. And then there it is. And it's partly I feel partly responsible in some way that I think he acknowledged. So that's kind of nice. That's just it. That's that gift that continues to radiate out in those concentric circles and, and comes back. Yes. Like the ripple <laughs> in the pond. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So if someone wanted to find out more about you or to contact you, find out more about the different things that we've talked about, whether it's the Brain and Creativity Institute, whether it's uh, the, Learn the Learning Maestros, how do they find you? Well, the easiest way is my website, which is bruceadolf.com. There's also plenty on the Fort Collins Festival, which is called uh, Off the Hook Arts Festival. Um, if you just put off the hook, you're not going to get our festival because that's about 500 other websites but off the hook arts festival has quite a bit and there's also uh, on the chamber music society of lincoln center which is that's what it's called the chamber music society.org that i have quite a bit there too but uh it's not hard okay <laughs> hard to find me. wonderful thank you bruce so much for spending this time with me and and with all of us really honored to have you on the show well, thank you. It was really fun. interviews with both Jephthah and Bruce, I was so aware of not only their mutual passion for music and creativity, but their shared desire to ignite these passions in our children, our communities, and our world. Through providing multiple opportunities for children to tap into their creativity and expand their musical and artistic talents, Jephthah and Bruce are doing just that. I was in awe of the collaborative effort involving some of our nation's greatest talents in the area of art, music, and science, all coming together in our Fort Collins community this summer to provide these opportunities to our children. Research has shown that reading and playing a musical instrument helps so many aspects of brain development and furthers our listening and communication skills. Involving your child in music and giving them the opportunity to play an instrument opens them up to a whole new enriched and beautiful world. Both Bruce and Jephthah were blessed with an early love of music which was supported and encouraged by their parents. Each one has crafted their own unique talents and have shared these talents in a multitude of ways with others. By amazing examples, they teach us that we can follow our passions and through hard work and dedication, we too can actualize our dreams. Remember, The Spark is your show, too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain on KRFC, Fort Collins, 88.9 FM, and podcast episodes are released the same day. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. Hey, it's Chris, one of the producers of The Spark. Did you know that you can go back and listen to all of our past episodes of the show anytime that you want? It's simple. Just go to thesparkpod.com. There you can listen to past episodes, get detailed show notes, links to Stephanie's recommendations as heard on the show, and more. You'll also find links to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and other platforms so you never miss an episode. Again, that's thesparkpod.com dot com.